Hi, I'm Steve Addison, and this is the Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today, we're in Los Angeles talking to JT Timblin, Rick Priado, Mike Puckett, Puckett, and Troy Cooper about the breakthroughs they're seeing in multiplying disciples and churches throughout the region. We just came out of a meeting two days ago on uh, four different streams, four of the many different streams out of LA, movement streams, and we kind of got together with leadership and that was a real, real blessing, certainly to each stream to learn from one another, critique one another, encourage one another. And just really see what God's doing holistically and not just in the one that we contend to focus on. That was very so, eye-opening. So, JT, what's, just describe what a stream is. Well, I, I kind of see it. A stream is a group of uh, churches that are multiplying and kind of come out of one, one stream that are connected. But then there's a couple of those. Well, there are four at that, and there's others happening in Los Angeles too. And we're just watching like – Man, God seems to be doing this over here. How can we learn from that? But it's the same principles, the same um, tools, the same big vision, but God seems to work different with different people. So just watching the different streams and, and how they got there and learning from some people that are ahead of us and some people that maybe could learn from what we're doing too. So you're saying you're getting to multiple generations of disciples and churches in L.A.? Yes, definitely. One of the networks that is personal and really exciting for uh, a lot of us at the table right now is Zeal Church. And um, we're seeing God work through this network of friends, several different oikos, you know, relational networks. People are coming to Christ, getting baptized, uh, being discipled, and then turning around and discipling right away. And um, even these past uh, weeks since uh, we last got on the podcast and shared about it, we've seen more baptisms. I think I think they're up to uh, in the teens of baptisms, the the late teens, um, 18, 19, 20 baptisms in there. Um, and the majority of those are sticking around and, and seeing discipleship, experiencing it, turning around and baptizing others. Um, one of the networks that we're at the gathering on Saturday is Zeal Church. Uh, which started in August. And in August, California was pretty um, pretty deep in lockdown. And in the midst of it, there was a network of house churches out here that put on worship gatherings at the beach. And uh, they began to see many, many people who were far from God showing up at these worship gatherings, getting baptized, and then hungry for community. Um, that was the climate that we were seeing down here. And so, so Troy and myself and Jenny uh, went to one of the last of the first stretch of worship gatherings. And we showed up at the beach and they're singing and they give a four minute gospel presentation. And then they say, all right, who wants to get in the water and be baptized? And they had asked Troy and I to come out and baptize. And so we're standing there and these, these two girls uh, walk up to us and say, we want to be baptized. And uh, one of them had just been rescued by Jesus out of human trafficking. And, um, and her story was mind blowing. She said, I'm his now. I want to follow Jesus. And so 
the other girl with her was somebody she had led down a path of darkness and crystals and um, spiritual worship and now was leading her to Jesus, bringing her along for this journey. So we got to baptize these two girls and their friend was with them, who was a guy. The three of them come back to our home and we begin to just share from Second Corinthians their new identity in Jesus and, you know, spend some time just caring for them because of the trauma they were in, praying together. Uh, we worshiped Jesus that night. And then Troy and Rachel just said, hey, we as a church want to walk with you guys. That's our heart. Is that what you want? And they said, yes, that's what we want. So day in and day out, we began with these new disciples, walking them through the commands of Christ. Uh, and the second they saw the church circle, they knew that God could do that among their lost friends and family. And so they took the story of what God had been doing and shared it and said, will you come to the next gathering where we do the commands of Christ? They shared the gospel there. They offered baptism and it began like dominoes to fall in their friend group of one after another who said, I see the change in your life. I hear the gospel and believe it. And I want to follow Jesus. Will you baptize me? That, that, was the, that was the tone of everybody that showed up. Before long, they had a name for the church. It was Zeal Church. And they saw from Acts 2 from the Bible, latching onto the church circle and saying, yeah, we, we really believe this is, this is church. And this is, this is what it's going to take, not just to grow in Jesus together, but to see Newport Beach and Costa Mesa reached with the gospel. That began to be their heart. So not long after that, um, I mean, it's still not long after that, but not long after they named Zeal Church, um, God began to grow in one of the leaders, this vision to see Newport Beach and Costa Mesa completely covered in churches where everybody was going to hear the gospel. It was a no place left vision for 700 churches to be planted. And uh Every, every week at church, these new believers are casting this vision from the Bible and saying, we believe God's going to start 700 churches. Um, and so it's been, it's been a story after another story after another story of hearing the gospel, believing, and then stepping into some deep dive discipleship. And so using the commands of Christ as a platform i mean we're we're digging into family issues relationship issues um and everything you know in between as far as brokenness the backgrounds they're coming out of are unbelievable so that- so rick normally we'd sort of say we'll do all that deep work and then release them you know they're made whole then release them to go minister but it sounds like the two things are happening at the same time yeah I mean, I think I think it'd be really interesting if somebody said that to one of these disciples because they've got the Holy Spirit pouring out of them. And I don't think anybody could stop them from sharing if they tried. Um, I mean, they they believe that it's it's actually good news that rescued them. And so and all we've done is reinforce that from the Bible and given them simple ways to share. So three circles they've used when they don't have three circles, they'll share anyway. I mean, they'll share with anything because I think they're just seeing themselves being transformed. So they've got a lot of growing to do, but they're not, you know, they're not holding back on leadership while they grow. They're, they're being, you know, pushed by God to 
you know, advance in spiritual responsibility and authority as they lead others to him. And, but you've um, got it, your eyes on two things. One is how are they growing in Christ, coming out of brokenness, and at the same time, uh, what's what's the Lord doing through them to multiply uh, disciples and churches? That's right. And the picture that it would be, you know, it would be a mistake to have a picture of us with them going through a command of Christ every week. I mean, there's been a lot of time invested. So we've got a commands of Christ gathering in their church once a week, but the church is meeting multiple times a week, whether it's them getting together, uh, you know, for accountability time or just to pray or to, you know, dive into an issue in the Bible. I mean, these guys, we're spending time with them, but they're spending a lot of time with one another. And so it's, you know, it's not happening rapidly, but a lot of things are beginning to happen at the same time. I was with a couple of the guys who are leading some of the different networks. And one in particular, uh, their network is focused primarily on reaching uh, unreached people groups uh, around the city. And they've identified at least 63, um, you know, you know how these lists are. Uh, it's just really difficult. Uh, to try to get, uh, you know, an established list, you know, of who's here and who's not. Um, But they've got at least 63 people groups that they've identified around Los Angeles. And their vision is to see a multiplying church planted among each one of the UPGs uh, here in LA. And then actually to add to that, they also want to see the work go back to the home country of all of these peoples. Uh, so as they've been saying, you know, it's a 63 church vision. It really is a 126 church vision, uh, you know, one here and one there. Um, and uh, they have engaged with um, already, I think it was 44 different nations just in the last four years since they've, they've moved to the city. And uh, even now they're seeing some, some measurable progress amongst uh, quite a few different UPGs. But the beauty of it is um, in this season, we're starting to see them not just go after unreached people groups and begin to see some people come to faith or some new spiritual interest as God is opening doors um, into the hearts of people who are coming from what we would call closed nations. We're actually seeing them um, be conduits or connecting points for some of these other networks to help activate them to begin engaging with unreached people groups in their areas of the city. And uh, Tim has just been engaging people uh, from the nations in his apartment complex. It's a massive apartment complex, super diverse. People from all over the world are in this place. And they've engaged with um, a a Chinese family uh, that are here that speak Mandarin um, and speak English as well. And as Tim began to engage with them, offer prayer to them, uh, and, and began to you know, offer to read the Bible with them. They, uh, they said, yeah, we'd be, we'd be willing to. They have almost no spiritual background whatsoever, and um, they, they've begun meeting. And what is amazing is uh, just, I mean, just uh, in the last couple of weeks, um, the, the, the man's name is Wong. Wong told Tim uh, that if it hadn't been for coronavirus, uh, they would definitely be back in China right now, but they can't go back because of the, all the lockdowns. And so they're here. And as they've been here, they've connected with Tim. And now they're reading the Bible with Tim and his wife, Lauren. And uh, they're, they're starting to say, I think I, I think I understand why people read the Bible and, and follow the Bible. I, I think we understand that. And I think maybe God 
sent the coronavirus or allowed the coronavirus so that we would be here to be able to like learn to read the Bible and learn more about God. And uh, we feel like we're, we're almost there. Um, and it, it's like God just, Tim will be the first one to say, if you know him, uh, Tim will be the first one to say, God's spirit is moving. He's the one who's doing it. And yet getting to see, um, you know, this, this new harvest that's coming. And so it's just been really amazing to watch how uh, God is, is getting the gospel to the nations through his people right here in, in a place that, you know, they're sort of stuck in some ways. Yeah. Did you have another story? Yeah, I'd say the what has been, you know, that's anecdotal and exciting. Um, but what has been the most encouraging to me actually was, um, or, so JT here uh, and, his, and his crew, they were supposed to be on a mission trip to Africa, one of their regular trips, um, not that long ago, just a, you know, a couple of months ago. And obviously they weren't able to go on that trip, but they connected with Tim and we all, you know, we all connect regularly together here. And Tim was willing to host them for a local mission trip uh, in an area that's got high density of Muslim peoples uh, and then some other areas as well. And um, they just did their mission trip locally. And so they were working hand in hand with Tim's team to go after some of the areas that Tim had identified, you know, wanting to get the gospel to people from, from all the nations. Um, and so it was this really beautiful partnership of uh, people like this labor force, this harvest force uh, in JT's Bridges team that was going to be overseas anyway, but couldn't be bringing that to bear on um, Tim's harvest field that he's working locally. And so you've got this experience of people who are, really good on short-term mission teams focused on evangelism, disciple-making, church planting, bringing that to bear here on the local field. Um, and for that matter, uh, also, um, we're seeing not only are they helping Tim, but Tim is helping connect them with new areas in their harvest field that they've not connected with before to the point where more of them are, are starting to say, you know, even within uh, JT's own community are saying, you know, we need to start going after some of these new areas and some of these new people groups. Uh, and it's sparking this, you know, this excitement for them. And because that has happened, it's setting a precedent for some of the other networks that are here too. saying, you know, one other guy, Sean, who's in West L.A., uh, has a vision to plant 100 churches and mobilize 100 units to the nations. Um, Sean is saying, Tim, I'm bringing you some of my people. Uh, you know, we're going to do this together. Like we want, I want a piece of this. I don't know what it looks like. We don't know when we're going to do it, but we're going to do this uh, because Sean has a huge heart for the nations. And so we're just starting to see, man, we're, it's not just that there are these separate streams that are unique unto themselves, you know, that you have bridges and JT and their whole, you know, network of leaders and churches, and you have Tim and the here to their network and you have Sean and so on and so forth. But now they're starting to overlap to serve each other. And it's not just that they each have strengths and weaknesses, but now they're starting to blend those things to help connect dots that otherwise were left unconnected. Yeah. And I don't thank God for COVID, but I do for the quarantine. So it didn't allow us to go to Africa, but it allowed us to go into the nations in Anaheim and Irvine down the street. And our heart has always been the horn of Africa. And we found two different Ethiopian churches that we didn't know existed, um, small pockets of believers. We were working with different ethnic groups. In fact, in Tim's apartment complex, in two weeks, we engaged, literally prayed for or shared the gospel with 
I think it was uh, 19 different countries um, just just in those two two weeks, just going into his apartment complex alone. And that's the nations. The nations have come here. And so they're living there. They're incarnationally you know, in, in, in moved into there. Um, but we're right down the street. So now we have this partnership and we do different um, ways to support what they're doing. And we're learning from them all the time. And so it's been, it's, it was a really um, eye-opening. And now we've come back and challenged our legacy community of church to say, hey, we have the nations right down the street. We already have a relationship and a heart for, in particular, North Africa. And there's a bunch of people groups right there. And so we're now engaging with refugee work right here as they come across. And, and uh, my friend Steve and I, we're going door to door, just knocking on apartment doors, offering prayer and, um, you know, offering masks uh, and just saying, hey, and people that didn't like masks, we said, well, you can't go to the grocery store without one. So they're like, OK, so we didn't go political. We just said we're here to serve. And and then some people really were appreciative of having that. And, and just uh, walking in and, and uh, sensing through prayer uh, where people are sensitive. What do they want to hear? What do they want to do? Um, trying to think of this one uh, family. The, the, the husband was a little bit standoffish. The wife was much more open and just paying attention to their kids and see saying, you know, no one's, we don't speak. My, my husband doesn't speak the language. My kids are learning, but man, you've engaged with, you got down and, and knelt down and talked to my children. And then we started talking and they're from Kazakhstan and just here for maybe a week and a half. You know, they've only been here for about a week and a half. And she said, we've not engaged with anybody else um, since we've been here. And then slowly her husband started listening and, and warming up to us. We had a chance to share the gospel and briefly and yeah, just those kind of conversations, realizing that no one's engaging with these, these precious people that God's died for, and let alone told them that, that they, there's a God out there who loves them and died on their behalf. Yes. Wow. And, and the neat thing is most of these folks, because they've never come to America, they've never engaged with Americans yet, they don't have some of the baggies. When you offer prayer, they're like, oh, great, come on in, because their culture is much more open to, you know, hospitable. And so uh, Muslim background, people mm-hmm. that we're engaged with and and all kinds of, of ethnicities, uh, Buddhist, Hindu. Yeah. And again, they don't they haven't been conditioned like many Americans to say, oh, we don't we don't let you in our home. They'll let you in. And we have tea and coffee and sit and, and share with them. Yeah. Cool. It was really a blessing. Mm-hmm. And then we know Tim is living there incarnationally. And as they have questions, we just you know, his team is the ones who follow up right away um, in that particular apartment complex but then there's well we're just learning the importance of of starting a church starting a church in your home uh jt uh that was one of, i think the most significant things he did pastoring a church that he planted 20 years ago went through the training cycle and uh rick challenged him at the end of the training cycle start a church in your home and so he charted started a church in his home and he's got multiple streams including a fourth generation stream in Southern California, flowing out of this church that's in his home. Uh, even those of us who are, are uh, catalyzing work, you know, among uh, church planters, you know, working, training believers to start churches, we started a church in our home with 
you know, the Puckets and the Priados and others and a few others have, have come and just the significance of that for us, but also for others to come and learn within the context of a church gathering. And I didn't realize how significant that would be until this quarantine, this lockdown, where a lot of people are not able to gather uh, for church. And, uh, and we are. Um, I mean, my goodness, just this last week, Rick mentioned Zeal Church down in Newport, Costa Mesa area, four week, a four-month-old church of almost entirely new believers that have been baptized. I think there's one guy who, uh, Shane, the guy who's been has emerged as the leader, I'd say he's the person of peace, um, came to faith a couple of years ago. And um, he's the one who brought the two girls to, uh, to the saturated event that um, – that Parker and Jesse from Salt Churches were hosting. Um, but uh, other than that, everyone is, is brand new out of the harvest. And um, they are loving being together. I mean, Steve, I would have never thought an entry strategy would be do a worship gathering. I mean, we're talking, you know, like the one that Parker and Jesse led where they saw over a thousand baptisms in six weeks. And we got to just... You know, we got to be a part of a, probably a dozen of those, but two of them are the ones that have led to Zeal Church. Shane turned around a week later and uh, with those two girls that we baptized, and they said, let's invite our friends and do a worship gathering in Raleigh's backyard. And I'm thinking, there's no way, you know, but I'm not going to tell them, no, don't do this. I'm thinking, who is going to, who, what lost person wants to come to a worship gathering? Well, they had like 36 people show up and they did some worship. My and Malachi got to help out a little bit. And, uh, and Shane told the story of, uh, of the woman at the well and then shared his testimony. And, and I told him, I was like, bro, I think you need to be ready for some baptisms tonight. I just feel like there's like, I mean, I think I told you this in the last episode we did, like as we're hearing from the 50 plus teams across California that have been laboring, you know, JT for 20 years, others for the last two, um, no bites, hardly any green lights that we've seen in the last two and a half years that we've been here. And then all of a sudden in May and June, across Northern California, Southern California, uh, San Diego, the fish are biting. People are saying yes to Jesus. People are literally coming saying, I want to get baptized. So it's like, it's like the Holy Spirit has just turned on and, and he, he's saving people. But because there's no churches, people don't have a place to go and get discipled and get connected in community. And so these worship gatherings, I think, have just served as a place for people to go. I mean, as we're baptizing people, I mean, we probably baptized at the worship gatherings I don't know, probably tw- we personally probably just baptized 20 people. And I'll ask them like, hey, you know, why do you want to get baptized? Boom. And they are, it's like they, they got saved in quarantine. Uh, all of them. Oh, man, I've been living a life of sin and, and I, I just wanted to follow Jesus. And anybody walk with me? No, I've been, wait, I've been dying for a church, you know. Will you please baptize me? Um, and because there's these networks of house churches, these folks are able to get in community and, and be discipled. So, um, Troy, it's not just a shift in terms of harvest, but also in terms of disciples and churches coming out of the harvest. Yes. Yeah, because like Rick said, when we met, when we did Command One, 
with Raleigh and Cassidy. Command one is repent and believe in the gospel. And just using a basic three-thirds format or pattern of care, um, we use, we, we've chosen to use the Acts 2 church circle for the vision part as we're going through those commands. And it really lays out a blueprint for discipleship. What's a healthy disciple? What's a healthy church? It just landed with them. Um, we had them practice it. And, uh, and then they, like, they came to Movement Church, the church that meets in our home the next day. So this is like day three for their, you know, after baptism. And uh, they brought some friends and we got to the vision and they were like firing off all the things from the church. It was like they, they took ownership of it. Mm-hmm. And we got to the end of our three thirds time. And I just I was like, man, we got like five new five new believers here and, and two like lost friends with them. So I'm like, all right, so let's um, we just we wrote out what the three thirds like, hey, this is the pattern we just did. And we started to sign rules for the next week you know, just to try to release it to them. Mm. And they were fighting for who was going to do the truth circle. They just loved it. Mm. Um, so I just, I feel like that. And, and as we've noticed a number of different uh, churches that are reproducing, it's like, it's like church circle is the sauce, man. It's the word of God. I mean, it's just the acts mm. two vision for church. Um, it's just landing with them. Well, going back to like when they hosted that worship gathering in their backyard, like, like not even a week after those girls got baptized. Um, they did worship, Shane shared. And then, oh, we got to the end of the time. And he was like, it was like ready to like offer baptism for people. Cause it just seemed like the Lord was stirring. And, uh, and Shane's like, Hey, you guys got anything else, you know? And we're like, yeah, why don't you give people a chance to respond? And he's like, okay, anybody? And four hands shot up. The one to get baptized. The two girls that had just been baptized were like, who's going to do the baptisms? And we said, you are. And uh, like, we don't remember. So like Maya and Malachi got in the pool with them and let them practice just so they could, you know, like, hey, remember to do this? And so that was really cool. So they got in and Maya and Malachi got to help um, these three new disciples baptize these four disciples. And it was amazing. They did exactly what we did with them. They, they said, this is your identity. And they, they ripped. They, and in fact, I was like, hey, let me get a picture. And they're like, no, we have to do identity. Like, okay, Second Corinthians five, they read uh, verse 17 to 21, their new identity in Christ. And then they said, we, it was, it was amazing to hear them. They said, we want to walk with you in discipleship and show you from the Bible, how to follow Jesus. When can we get together? You know, how's tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we got to explain them like, Hey, we want to come and assist you uh, as you, you know, you're, you know, we modeled now we're going to assist you. And so seeing the mall uh, go downstream was amazing. Um, and so, but it was it was so interesting. One of the one of the boys, Noah, who was there that night with his girlfriend, um, a few weeks before, had literally stolen a Bible from Barnes and Noble. Um, like he was he was he was just hungry. I know you can't make this stuff up. And uh, I said, you know, hey man, how, how, you know, I saw you raise your hand. You're like, tell me tell me what's going on. He's like, say, man, I essentially I he said when I walked in tonight and I saw the water, I knew I was getting baptized. I'm like, how is he? He's like, I don't know. He's like, I just, God's been pursuing me. I know it. I've been living a life of sin. I'm ready to follow him. And uh, so they've got strong testimonies. Um, we, we meet the next week or no, we meet like two days later. Cause it, I mean, this is like, you know, they haven't started school yet. So we're with them like all the time and uh, they're going around. Uh, uh, they, they get to uh, um, 
you know, accountability. And Raleigh says, why don't you all tell what you're going to, what you have repented of? (laughs) That's not in our quote, but I'm like, okay, we'll go with it. They're going around confessing all this sexual sin and demonic practices and new age and crystals. And, and we get to her, her boyfriend and he said, he's a lifeguard in Newport. Like everybody looks up to this guy. He goes, you know, I don't really like Christians. I don't really want to be around you guys, to be honest with you. But I've seen what's happened in their life. And he was out on the boat. like the, So it was like the big time lifeguards on the boat. He said, I was on the boat today by myself. And all day I prayed, God changed my heart. So uh, I want to see what happens. Well, that was four months ago. Just on Sunday, we got to baptize him. You know, in, on the beach that he lifeguards at, and he's he's standing out there. His mom's there, sisters there, and uh, and all these all these new believers and some lost kids that know him. And uh, he's like Troy, um, the stuff that I used to love to do. He's like I'm around my roommates and my lost friends, and he's like. I can't believe the stuff that they want to do. He's like, and I used to want to do that. He's like, God has taken those desires away from me. And all I want to do now is just tell them about it. I want them to, to experience the freedom that I have and the life that I have. He's like, I want to do this. Uh, they've started meeting for zeal church gathering every Wednesday night. And there's about 30 some people there. Uh, they, um, they, they surf. And so there's times that we'll, we'll probably, they'll be with each other at least two or two or three times a week. I mean, there are friend groups that are together all the time. Uh, Rick and myself or Jenny or Allie Carter's cousin. She lives out here now and she's serving on our team um, are with them. One of them probably every other day. And so we're, we're seizing opportunities, whether it's over a meal or, you know, at the beach while they're surfing or before or after the church gathering. Um, like last night, you know, we had a baptism down in Laguna with three of them. And there was like 20 of them piled in my, or no, 17 of them piled in my 12 passenger van. And, um, and, and we, you know, I got to sit next to Ari and, and we had a great conversation on a number of things. Um, it's, you know, today we stopped by his work with the boys and uh, we're just, you know, talking about the Lord. Um, they, they have this phrase where I always talk about, you know, we want to get in the word, we want to get in the word. And so mm. there's this, um, culture there with that when they're talking about things they're opening up the word whether it's at the park at the coffee shop you know they're busting out their phones what does the word say about this like that that's a part of their dna is uh you know getting in the word together um so i mean rick and jenny are uh are, are investing a lot um having people over in their home uh they'll come up to our house uh, like they were with us some of them were with us for thanksgiving um you know, I think one of the things that we're noticing is, especially down there, I mean, Newport is the, is the wealthiest city in the United States. Um, and uh, they are desperate for fathering. A lot of them are looking for fathering. And uh, I think that a number of them are really attracted. You know, they want to be around Rachel and I's marriage. They want to be around our home. They want to be around, you know, Rick and Jenny's marriage, fucking Kelly's marriage. Um and uh, they, they love seeing my and Malachi as a, as a family, us, you know, that my and Malachi come quite a bit, you know, they help lead worship and they did some baptisms and um, they speak into things. So 
I know that that's that's it's a very um, I hate to use the word messy. Um, I mean, it is messy, but I mean, it's, 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 it's day, it's daily, mm. daily with them, but daily we're seeing, there was a point where it was like daily God's adding to their number daily. Um, yesterday we had the baptism. Well, let me back up. I told you I got like a thousand stories. I'm sorry. Um, last Wednesday we gathered at zeal. We're meeting in a home. We've met in probably three or four different homes. <clears throat> We're meeting in, in Noah and Caleb's home, the sons of thunder. These guys are the sons of thunder. All right. And, uh, um, they're hosting, they're doing, we do burgers together. I mean, they're eating, <clears throat> um, it's beautiful. It's outside with lights, um, powerful time of worship. We've got, I noticed there's like a, there's an unusual number. There's probably, usually there's like one or two lost friends that'll show up. And, but we had like eight and one girl, uh, we'll call her Lynn. Um, she expressed that she was deeply involved in witchcraft, demonic worship. And, uh, she's, she was ready to surrender to Jesus and, and, and get these, uh, get this out of her life. Um, she had been actually talking to people about Jesus on her social media platform and she was experiencing some intense, demonic oppression and persecution from like the, the witchcraft community locally and online. And so we get to the end and she just says, I, I, I'm ready to follow Jesus. I, I want to be baptized. And she through tears. She said, I have, I have uh, wanted this for a little while now, but I didn't have anywhere to go. I'm so glad I have this church family that you guys have welcomed me. We got to baptize her yesterday uh, and her dad came and her grandfather came. Um, so last night after the baptisms, the three girls, um, and, or no, yeah, two girls and then Caleb, Noah's brother, one of the sons of thunder. Uh, we went to uh, uh, a restaurant and they're not, they're not allowed to let people eat outside anymore. Um, and so this group just sat in the parking lot, set up chairs beach chairs and blankets and just sat out in the parking lot and were eating Mexican food. And, and people were, um, you know, Hey, what, who are you guys? And they just, they, they talked about, uh, Jesus. They talked about how they just had these baptisms. So Christians were like, what, who are you guys? You know, Oh, that's so cool. Wow. Praise God. You know, we haven't been able to meet for, for weeks or months. So that's so cool. You guys do lost people are like, who are you guys? They're sharing the gospel. I'm sitting across from a guy, um, Who's, who's, who came to the baptism, he's lost, and, and he's, he's a Buddhist background guy, and I'm able to go through parts of creation to Christ with him. It's, it's, like, this, it's like this snowball that's gaining momentum. It's, and and um, uh, when, when I was in Haiti with Jacob Vi, and I remember him walking down the street with his, like, 12 to 15 disciples, and it was like this group of, of older teenage, you know, early 20s, and they're just, they're, they're joking around, they're goofing around, but they're they're having fun, but they're sharing the gospel. You know, they're ministering to people. They're coming back with three, three lost people that they're ministering to when they get back home. That's happening now in Newport. You've got this, just this herd of brand new believers, some lost friends and, and people are, you know, like it's an entry strategy now, <laughs> like just go out there together and people are hearing the gospel. And we have three people that, that, uh, had the gospel share with that they're getting followed up with by these new disciples that just happened last night.
And so that's the first time where it's actually broken outside of Oikos is uh, just this, this herd of new believers out in public. So I don't know, Steve, this was, some of these things were not in my playbook, but we're just, we're having to be flexible and, and in tune with what the Holy Spirit's doing. We're learning from these new disciples a ton. And um, yeah, I'm excited. Well, what God is doing in LA, He can do in other places. So I'd like you to do two things. One, visit movements.net where you'll find links and training opportunities and resources to help you implement what you're learning. The second thing I'd like you to do is uh, why don't I recommend this uh, podcast episode to others who would benefit from it. This is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast.